another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. Today we have a very special guest with us, Miss Lizzie Whaley. A wearer of many hats, Miss Whaley is the CEO of Spacework Design Group, a mother and a celebrity in her own right. She recently appeared as a judge on the New Zealand TV show The Block NZ in 2019. Miss Whaley has constantly been on the rise for the past four years as she has finally positioned herself as a formidable force within the design industry. By establishing new conversations and leading the charge in creating and designing spaces that are forward-thinking, diverse, unique, and revolutionizing Atiora's businesses for the better. So today we're going to talk to Miss Whaley on why she decided to buy Spaceworks instead of starting the brand from scratch. Hi, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, that was an impressive bio. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> no worries. So um, let's dive right into the questions. Sure. Awesome. Go for it. So, um, Lizzie, um, how did you get your start into uh, entrepreneurship? Goodness me, I often think about how I started here, but I think, to be honest, it was the example of my parents. My parents were entrepreneurs, so I think I always thought it was in my blood in one way or another. I didn't initially, as a young teenager, think that this was going to be my path. I was quite happy to party and have a good time and just really enjoy life, and I kind of fell onto this path rather than it being a premeditated journey. And I started working for a paint company actually when I was about 16. I worked for them for about nine years whilst I got my degree in design and also learned from some very incredible creatives and that showed me that creativity and design was the industry I wanted to go into. After there, I decided to go and work uh, for myself and had my son and decided after having my son that the business that I was working in for myself was just sort of too small design and it wasn't in commercial interiors. And I really wanted to move into the commercial sector. So I uh, then looked to work for Spaceworks. So I came and worked for Spaceworks about nine, 18 or 19 years ago now. No, maybe slightly, yeah, 17 years ago now. And uh, you worked there as an employee and am I right to say you later bought the the, the company or you were you made as a partner? No, I bought the company. So my uh, my boss, I guess you'd say, she was looking to sell out of the industry. She'd had enough. The business, the industry was changing quite rapidly. It was moving from very much a hand drawn architecture type uh, practice to much more computer aided programming. Just the expectation around us as designers was getting much more intense and much harder. And she just wasn't as interested anymore. She wanted to move into property development. So I was the only employee that she had at that point. And she said she wanted out. So for about six months, I, I, I didn't do anything with that information. And I watched her go through the sale and purchase process with a number of construction companies. And it looked like at one point, a construction company was going to purchase the business. And I realized that without Jane, my former boss in the business, it was simply going to be me. And I was going to be working on a very lowly junior designer salary, but responsible for bringing in work and delivering work for a major construction company, which didn't sound very fun to me. So I decided that I had to find everything I possibly could in terms of um, money to purchase the business. <laughs> Awesome. Um, that is very interesting insight. Why didn't you look for another job instead of finding money to buy the company over? Because you would have, how old were you then? Oh, I would have been 28, 27, 28. 
Um, why did I do that? I'd grown to love the business, the business processes, the practices they had in place. There were a couple of really good key relationships with suppliers and with clients that I felt that there was enough goodwill in the company name to go ahead with purchasing that business rather than starting it all over from scratch. So that was really the main reason why. Oh, but you didn't uh, look for another job. That is also another thing. Is it because you were from an entrepreneurial um, family? You knew that, you know, that was your right. Yeah, I mean, something inside me just said, you've got to go and give this a go. You've just got to go and try and find us. So I it didn't, I didn't even for a second consider going and finding another job. It was simply, this is a good option. Let's just see if we can make it happen. And it was not an easy journey to get it by any means. So... Yeah, it was just in my in my heart. I knew it was supposed to be my journey. Okay, so that is very interesting. Um, how much was the company? How much did Jane sell it to you? If you if you don't mind sharing. No, no, that's okay. It's it's. I mean, it's always very difficult in situations like this to um, you know give a figure, but it's hard to give context of everything. So it was a, it was four hundred thousand New Zealand dollars, and at that time that was quite a lot of money for what the company was because there was only two people uh it had a relatively good client base but with the with the type of industry that i'm in and the projects that we have you'll do a project and then the client moves on it's not like you keep providing services over and over to that client if we built an office for a client we probably wouldn't see them for another six to eight years and our contacts in that business may or may not be there in six to eight years when they do a development so even though they were good client relationships it didn't necessarily mean that I was buying an ongoing relationship like other businesses might have so you know as a service so I felt that there was a lot of goodwill in the processes and procedures and and I thought that I could probably spend $400,000 worth of my time trying to re-establish or reset up everything that she had set up. So I felt it was, um, I felt it was an expensive buy, but a one that I could really make the most out of. And I wouldn't, and I knew I wouldn't turn back and regret that sum of money, but I also didn't have that sum of money either. I was, I was um, at that point. I was a single mother and I was actually living at home with my parents at the time when I decided to purchase the business. So it was, 400 was, you could, it could have been 4 million. It, that's what it felt like at that time. So did you sell a house or uh, get a business loan or your parents helped you out? I don't know, sorry. No, well, to be honest, a cross-section of a lot of things and it was quite a lengthy process to purchase the business. It took me about a month to find the money. So I put in an offer on the business, but it was conditional on on finance and I had a a one-month due diligence period, which, to be honest, I didn't really have a lot of due diligence to do because I worked in the business, so I I knew a lot about the business practices. Really, the one month for me was the security around trying to find the money. Um, my parents had their own business ventures, so weren't really in a position to be loaning me four hundred thousand. Um, I was a young, I was a young mother, so I didn't have a house that I could sell. Um, I didn't have a large amount of savings at about twenty five thousand. So I, I went through a process of um, trying to find business investors, and I found this uh, incredible bank manager at ANZ Bank. And I remember him so clearly. His name's Phil Gregg, and I just, um, I think about him often. He, I don't know how I was put in contact with him, but I was, and I would ring him and say, this is what I'm thinking of, and if I get a bit of money from here, and a bit of money from there, and a bit of money from there, 
is that going to work? Will the bank give me the money? And he'd say, no, that's not quite enough. Still too much risk for the bank. You need to go away. Maybe go and try and consider this, this and this. And so I would ring him on a daily basis. I'd go for a walk in the morning, try and re-strategize as to how I was going to come up with the money. And then would call him that day and say, look, this is my new thought. What about this, this and this? And this went on for a month. And finally, I came up with a solution, <clears throat> excuse me, whereby uh, I found a contractor, a, a building contractor in the industry who would come on board as a silent partner for one third. And so the bank was happy with that. So it was literally like at the 11th hour, on the day before we were due to settle or go unconditional, the bank agreed to to the, to the arrangement that I'd come up with. So I borrowed two thirds and had a silent investor for one third. Okay, is that silent investor still with you today? No. <laughs> All right. Um, can I ask you, um, when you purchased the business, how long was Jane uh, running it for already? Uh, was it how established for um, it was established, the business was born in 2000, and I purchased it in 2006, and I commenced working for her in about 2004. All right, so you bought together with the debts and everything? No, I just bought the business, so I didn't, I, I, I literally just took the, the clients, the processes and the procedures, I took no debt. Okay, so when you uh, took over the business, did you do, because you, you, you kept the name Spaceworks, right? You didn't want to rebrand it to something that, you know, that you... We have rebranded over the years. So when I bought it, bought it, it was Spaceworks Commercial Interiors. And then after, my, after I purchased it, I changed it to Spaceworks Design Group. And then very recently in the last year, we've changed it to Spaceworks Interior Architecture. And we've done that partially because all those transitions, partly, partly because we've continued to diversify the business in terms of the services we offer. And then the most recent name change was in actual fact because we often will get lumped into the category of being a, what, what I would call a decorator where you choose colors, materials and finishes. And that is, that is not what we do. It is a small component of what we do, but we, what we create now is more along the lines of interior architecture. So that's why we changed the name just very recently. But we've kept Spaceworks mainly because it's established a lot of goodwill now. Okay. Uh, and that seemed like a good decision. Yeah, it is a good decision. Also, it's um, um, a very unlike decision because most people want to start the business from scratch, but you bought in. So did she sell you with um, the clientele and everything? Yes, and but it was only really the clients that we had on the book at that books at that stage. So the projects that were in process. So we took over the projects that were still underway. As I said, all the other clients that we've done past jobs for, there was no sort of relationship or contract necessarily that came with those. Certainly, I had um, a contact list and the ability to contact these people because the company had done work for them before, but there was no uh, guaranteed work income from those people. So I just bought the jobs that were in progress at that time. Okay, and then, um, so it was just you with the silent partner. So when did you start hiring your first staff? Immediately. So when Jane knew that she was leaving, there was in the kind of transition of that process, there was one staff member that was brought on. So when Jane left, there was two of us. And then it was not long after that, around about six months after that, I employed another person, a fairly junior member of staff, a junior designer. And then we've been constant from then. We've got 25 now. So that was in, that's 21 years ago, right? If I'm 
correct? I purchased it 14 and a half years ago, 15 years ago. 15 years ago, okay. So, um, was it... Um, what was the was it a roller coaster ride when you first started? Because you said as yourself you were a young mother, and then you um I mean you didn't have much experience running a business, but you decided to buy one, and then what happened after that? A roller coaster is probably putting it gently. I think it's been um a roller coaster, a tornado, tornado, a hurricane. It's been everything you can possibly imagine. But it's with with the lows come also incredible highs that I just don't feel that I could get me any other way way. And it's highs through watching business success, project success, staff success. Just just there's just been so many incredible rewards that although there's been some horrific moments, um, scary moments in the life of the business, the success has been has far outweighed those negative times. Oh, that's great. So, um, how did you hustle to get your first client, like, you know, after you purchased it? I um, I love to talk to people and I've never been a seller. And I think if you go out with the intention to sell, you'll often fall short. I think if you go out being interested and interesting and look to provide people with information and solutions, then generally what will happen is, is sales will come. And I've found significantly over the year that years that my increasing my own thought leadership and understanding of the industry and my willingness to share those views and opinions have actually brought people to me and great connections, business connections, projects, all sorts of things, simply because of my willingness to share that information. So the hustle has been more of an information sharing process rather than a rather than a seeker request for the sale. Okay, so um, could you just tell us, right, um, your website, I've, I've taken a look at it, it's really, really nice, and I was just wondering, um, it's a commercial, you're, you're more onto commercial than residential, right? And um, yes. is there a reason why you, uh, is it because dealing with um, individuals are harder as, as, opposed to, as opposed to companies? Yes, I think it takes a very special person to work with um, with families or husbands and wives or wives and wives and husbands and husbands to create their design solution for their home. It's a very emotional process when it comes to someone's personal living environment. And it can be the source often of a lot of um, management of personalities, management of different differences of agreements. And it requires a personality and a patience that I don't have. And I'm quite happy to accept that that's not my strength okay. and I am far better in an environment whereby there is a clear problem, there is a solution to that problem, there is a time frame and then there is a budget to achieve. And my a lot of the solutions that I come up with for clients and my team come up with for clients is based on science and research. Like when we're looking at productivity for an office environment, we know based on case studies, we know based on surveys around the world, we know based on best practice uh, guidelines that are people producing to be able to inform a client as to the best possible solution for their business. Likewise, with retail, we know um, we have a, information and advice on best practices in terms of displaying products. We've uh, observed so many retailers in terms of how to create the best flow and best attraction and all those sorts of things. So it's, a lot of it is based on science, whereas when you're working with someone's home, you're working in 
other than the functional parts that you can usually guide a client on, you're not dealing with largely emotion and taste. And that, that can be a very difficult path to navigate. In saying that, though, we do do residential, but for commercial mm-hmm. clients. So if we have a developer that is developing uh, an apartment block or a client that is developing um, retirement apartments for a a village, then we work for them because functionality is, when you use a designer, they use every little nook and cranny of of, of a space to make sure that it functions perfectly and we maximize everything. Whereas, um, when, as I say, working for that residential client, they're not that focused on that aspect. So yes, I, it's a personality thing, as I, as I think is the easiest thing to say. Awesome. Um, okay. Um, so uh, with COVID, right, I, I mean, I did a bit of read, reading and you did say that it did put a bit of a dent in your business because um, office space, um, that's going through some kind of change because a lot of people are working from home. So what um, other parts of the business are you going to concentrate on, like maybe retail or more hotel? Even hotels might have an it might have an issue now with COVID. So we did have we had the immediate dent that I think a lot of businesses suffered, and and we we were in a downturn phase probably for about three months. But I have also been through the recession with the business. Uh, the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And I knew very quickly in that moment that the only way to survive something like this was to segue and to diversify and to look for opportunities. Because you always hear about people or businesses that actually succeed in the in the time of a crisis rather than give up or, or you know get devoured by the situation. So we really took an opportunity as the leadership team to say what and who do we want to be who do we need to serve and what information do they need right now and what a business is going to look to do after this so that immediately after the pandemic the initial hit was definitely around working from home helping businesses to to understand how they could integrate working from home into their existing office looking at businesses that potentially wanted to downsize their office to allow for that hybrid model but then now what we're seeing also as a change is that businesses are wanting to try and bring people back to the office. So how do we convert an office that was heavily heavily provided with desks into much more of a community, collaborative hub where people come actually for connection rather than to do work, so to speak. So supporting businesses through that transition as well. But the, the thing as we're coming out the other side of the pandemic, certainly from a New Zealand perspective, is around what are those other other industries, hospitality, retail, what does the industry start to look like for them? So we've really, rather than tried to try rather than try to do business as usual, we've really tried to offer a service that is COVID response specific. And that has meant that the business for us has continued to grow and be successful. And we bounced back pretty quick after COVID and have been employing since that. So I think that my learnings from the GFC were certainly very instrumental to this past year for us. Okay, out of curiosity, um, would you be uh, producing your own designs like space work, furniture, any any of it's a desire to yes it is a desire to i'd actually like to do lighting i'd like to do some key pieces of furniture and i'd like i'd like also to look at a paint color range mainly because i come from paint originally that was the one and only job i ever had before spaceworks 
And so I really have a passion for colour and its use in space. So that would be something certainly down the track that we'll look to do. Okay, um, what about your clientele? Are they basically in New Zealand, Australia, or have you moved away? I mean, have you gone into a US market? Not the US market, but we have done work through the whole of um, Australasia so and the islands. So we've done work in Fiji, in Samoa, uh, we've done work in Australia. We do also work with Australian clients that are looking to come to New Zealand. But certainly, you'd say in the last 18 months, the majority of our work, if not all of it, has been New Zealand-based. And it's been quite fitting, obviously, with COVID. But over the years, quite an extensive range throughout Australia and the islands. Okay. So back to the entrepreneurship journey. Can I just ask you... Um, to be a successful designer, does one need to have um, uh, a qualification? Like, is a university degree um, really um, a necessity? I would say yes. As an employer, if I'm going to look at someone, I'm only going to look at someone that's been trained professionally. And partly that's because there's a little bit of a stigma that comes with being a designer. And we're often put into the same camp as decorators. And decorators are people that have come in and choose sort of some carpets and some paint colours, maybe some curtains, some cushions. And that is not who we are. As designers, we look at how people get out of a building in a fire. We're going to look at the air conditioning and make sure people don't fall asleep at their desk. We're going to make sure that we've got egress and pathways for people with a disability to be able to see their way around a space, make sure they can get in and out of a building. We're going to look at ultimate, we're going to look at flow and the way uh, people need to move through space to make them productive and efficient or make them spend more money. We're going to look at a whole lot of key things that haven't got anything to do with what colour or material the space is created. So um, that is why I think it is critical to get that kind of training um, in our industry before entering into it. Otherwise, you're not going to have that depth of experience. Now, some people are lucky. Some people will land into a job where someone is prepared to teach them. And we would certainly look at someone like that. If they've had a depth of experience at a competitor that we really respect, then the qualification is not so important. But if you're looking from a grad perspective coming into the industry, then absolutely, without question. Alrighty. Can you just tell us... Um... Was your company planning to go public listed of any of any sort? Like, can design companies go public listed? Well, that's a very good question. I have absolutely no idea. Um, <laughs> look, it's never been part of part of the growth strategy. I I love working in the business and I love growing the business, and I'm constantly looking at ways to make the business better for the people that we serve and the people that work in it. And I am passionate about the business for both our clients and for the people that I employ. So I don't have an end strategy. The end strategy includes me in it. And I'm one of these people that has this crazy busy life that I don't know what I'd do if I didn't do this. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I'd have to go and do it all again or, or something. And I just, so if the, if publicly listing was part of the next big step for us to be able to reach more people or for me to be able to employ or train or mentor more designers in the future, then yes, but the purpose would, would be for the people and not for the money. 
Okay. So the business is 100% yours, right? Right now, do you have any partners? No. <laughs> no, my, my original silent partner relationship lasted about 18 months and then became very contentious. And then actually, funnily enough, has been a big stalwart for me, a big, a big problem for me for the last um, nearly 14 years. So we finally got to a point where we've, um, I have now rid myself of that relationship and uh, I'm now finally pleased that I, I've owned it my own, on my own now f since 2010, I think it was, but it's been a very contentious split for some years post, which has been, which has been very hard to go through. So you've um, um, paid back all the money that the uh, silent partner gave uh, originally? Yes, I absolutely paid that back in 2010. So a long, a long time ago, but then my ex-business partner took me to the High Court um, in dispute of the partnership or the relationship that we'd had. So it was in litigation for the last four years. Mm -hmm. So it was an arduous time trying to protect the business from if we'd lost the case, then it could have taken everything. Uh, and we won, thankfully. We managed to defend ourselves successfully. Uh, I think it was a no-brainer that we were going to win, but it was a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money. And then after after that happened, we then went to the Court of Appeal. So that took another year in terms of COVID, but we won that again. But you can imagine just the time and drain that it takes. And for me as an entrepreneur, it basically froze the business for four years in a locked position until I was able to go, right, we're free of this, now we can move on. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, finally, because um, the series, um, most of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, they've all started from scratch. You're the first one that I've interviewed that's bought a company. So um, is there any advice that you can give to um, people who were like you when you were 27? They are mewling whether to start something from scratch or to buy something, you know, and they're in a... Uh, very um, tricky position. They're unsure where to go. What would your advice be? I, I'm not sure which is easier, buying or starting from scratch. I think that they both take uh, either a lot of money and resource, which then puts a great big debt over your head in terms of trying to pay back those that you've you've borrowed money from, or whether starting and trying to create the solutions. I I only know obviously my experience where where I bought it, but I would probably say that if you if you get your heart fixated on wanting something, all that you can do is focus on the next step. And I can tell you that the only way I've got the business where I've got it to now is by 80% of the time having self-belief that we had a purpose and we were meant to do it and we were meant to go places and we were meant to impact people. And I think I've never really planned longer than the next six months, certainly in the early days, my mother, she, she, she used this example once when I was dating. She said, all you need to know is if there is enough for you to want to turn up and go to the next date. And I sort of feel the same thing with, with the business when I first bought it. Is there enough passion and desire and interest in this business to stick in it for another six months? And you just have to keep putting one foot in front of each other. That's all it is. And don't get too big. Otherwise, it's really scary in terms of your dreams and your vision. Now I do because I've got the length of time and history behind me. But then, just one step in front of each other. Awesome. All right. Any parting words for entrepreneurs out there? 
no, other, well, just give it a shot. I mean, the, the worst that you can do is fail. And really, failure is a lesson. So it's not really a failure in itself. So just give it a go. Awesome. All right, uh, Lizzie, thank you so much for your time today. We wish you all the best. And we can't wait to see, um, I don't know, Facebook furniture in Australia, maybe? Wow, I'd like to. We'll see. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you. All right. See you. See ya.